My name is Katja Kuller-Kohl. I'm a research assistant professor in the Department of Agronomy and Horticulture at uh, UNL. So my talk today is going to be on a project that we had where we looked at cereal rye and how it influences soil nutrients and microbial abundance um, before soybean. Um, so this is basically a project on soil health and we are focusing on one indicator of soil health, which is the microbial uh, communities, microbial abundance and diversity. Uh, we know that in soybean systems we have some challenges. Um, we uh, are facing a loss of nutrients, especially nitrate, um, and the period where we actually lose the most uh, soil nitrate um, in a corn soybean rotation is the period before planting soybeans, because the soil warms up, uh, microbes decompose the organic matter, and then there are no plants there to take up the nitrogen that's released. So there is potentially quite a bit of nitrogen loss. Um, we also have a risk of erosion, water erosion, soil erosion, um, and generally um, soil health issues such as aggregation, um, a loss of organic matter, and other things, which are a lot of times due to the fact that there's no crop growing. Uh, between the time of corn harvest and soybean planting. So we know that cover crops uh, can help with some of these things. Um, and today I'm talking mostly about cover crops influence on soil microbes. Um, cover crops are a food source for soil microbes. Um, when they're growing during the winter or in early spring, um, or really any time of the year, um, their root exudates are um, they're simple sugars, amino acids, and they're preferred food for microbes. Um, and of course, the decomposing cover crop residue um, also provides carbon and nitrogen to um, microbes. And that's both the above ground and the below ground residue. Um, but my, uh, cover crops provide more than just a food source. They also provide habitat. Uh, roots are actually the uh, preferred habitat for microbes. Um, most microbes live in the root zone, either near or on roots. And cover crops can also help mitigate uh, soil surface microclimates. For example, by um, lowering the temperature, preventing those temperature extremes, and um, preventing wind or and slowing evaporation, um, and things like that. So, I want to take a few minutes to just introduce some of those microbes that we have in the soil. Um, of course, we all know that there's numerous little critters that live there, so today I'm mostly focusing on decomposers and predators. Um, so our largest group of decomposers um, in agricultural fields anyways are bacteria. They're the most numerous group of decomposers um, and they preferentially decompose simple organic compounds. So that would be, for example, things like uh, freshly terminated uh, cover crop, um, anything that's easy to break down. Um, and then we have fungi, they are the other big group of decomposers. They decompose uh, organic compounds that are harder, uh, tougher, things like corn stalks or roots. Um, and they play an important role for other things. And then we also have a lot of predators, and I, I put up a picture of the soil food web. Um, it all starts with plants, of course, the source of organic matter. Then we have our different decomposers that I just talked about. Um, and the predators um, are, some of them are protozoa, which feed mostly on bacteria. 
We also have nematodes that are predatory. They feed on fungi and bacteria. So those predators really keep the uh, populations of bacteria and other soil microbes in, in, in check. Um, a little bit more about the fungi. Why do we really like to see fungi? Um, they're so important for soil aggregation. They're, they have uh, thread-like growth, it's called hyphae, um, and they also release uh, a glue-like substance called clomelin, and those two together help bind little soil particles um, and make those nice aggregates. So fungi improve aggregate size, they improve aggregate stability, um, and that makes the soil much more, um, much more resilient to erosion. Two large groups of fungi that we are interested in, one are the saprophytic fungi. They are the ones that decompose things such as cellulose and lignin. So that's the stuff that's found in corn stover. And then we have AMF or arbuscular mycorrhizal fungi, which colonize roots. Um, they can increase nutrient uptake because they can reach uh, nutrient sources that are otherwise not accessible to plant roots. Um, when you have a cover crop growing over the winter, it can be a host to AMF. So it can live on the cover crop roots. And then when the cover crop is terminated, your soybean or corn plant is planted. AMF can actually spread from the cover crop roots to uh, the crop roots, colonize the crop roots and uh, have benefits for the crops there as well. So this project, we actually carried that, this project out at uh, the soybean management uh, field day sites. We worked together with uh, Keith Gluens and Justin McMacken's team. We had several research questions. Our first research question was, can we use cover crops to reduce soil nitrate um, before soybean? The second question was, can rye cover crops um, increase overall microbial abundance? And then we also um, wanted to know how different groups of soil microbes, soil microbes are influenced by a right cover crop. And in particular, we wanted to see whether we can increase the populations of soil fungi. Um, so again, these, uh, these trials were set up at the soybean field day, uh, management field day sites. Um, this year, unfortunately, due to COVID, we were only able to do it at Arlington and Shelby. Um, we had a rye cover crop and we also had control crops. It was a replicated randomized design. The rye was planted in mid-November and then terminated at soybean planting in early to mid-May. Um, and then this was done by uh, Keith Cluens and Justin McMacken's teams. We came in just for the soil testing. So within a week of soybean planting, we took soil tests. These tests are... Um, they're only done to a soil depth of four inches. This is just because that's where most of the microbial activity is happening in the soil. Um, we were testing the soil for NPK, so major nutrients. Um, and the other tests we're doing is P called PLFA or phospholipid uh, fatty acid analysis. Um, this test basically uh, t indicates what kind of microbial groups are in the soil um, by identifying their, the phospholipid fatty acids that are in their um, membranes. So it doesn't give me, you know, the, the type of species, but 
certain functional groups, for example, AMF and saprophytic fungi and bacteria, we can differentiate those. We carried out statistical analysis with proclimics um, and the differences that I'm talking about, if there were significant differences, they were different at uh, alpha level of 0 .0, uh, 0.05. So this is what we found. Um, we had relatively low zero uh, ripe biomass at our Arlington site, about 1,000 pounds and about 1,300 pounds at the Shelby site. Um, we looked at, we, 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 we analyzed the uh, biomass for carbon and nitrogen. Um, at the Shelby site, it had a pretty high amount of nitrogen, um, a little bit lower at the Arlington site. So these cover crops took up between 25 and 40 pounds of nitrogen per acre. And they had a carbon to nitrogen ratio of 19 and 14. So this carbon to nitrogen ratio is important because that kind of tells us a little bit about how fast the cover crop may decompose. Um, anytime the ratio is below 25 to 1, uh, we expect it to decompose pretty quickly. And with those ratios that we have here, we, we do think that that cover crop decomposes within um, the season, for sure, relatively fast, which also means that it releases its nitrogen that it took up back to the crop. Okay. Moving into the sol nutrient concentrations following the cereal rye, we did see differences when it came to uh, sol nitrate. Again, this was a pretty shallow depth, only zero to four inches. Um, but at that depth, we found that uh, cereal rye had uh, significantly lower sol nitrate levels in May um, at the time when we sampled. So the blue bars, this is my control where we did not grow cover crop. The red bars would be where we grow a CRRI cover crop. Um, as you can see, significantly lower amounts of sol nitrate um, under the CRRI. So it takes up some of that nitrate, possibly prevents it from erosion, from, from leaching. In July, when we came back in, um, there were um, still some smaller differences, but um, overall, probably some of that nitrogen from the rye residue had already decomposed and went back into the soil. Um, we looked at the other soil nutrients, um, but rye did not influence uh, uh, phosphorus, potassium, or organic carbon. So absolutely no differences there. Um, we, we saw some side effects. The site at Shelby had more phosphorus than the site at Arlington. Um, and the site at Shelby also had less organic carbon than Arlington. With organic carbon, we kind of expected that a zero rye cover crop would not influence that within the short amount of time that we've grown it. There's usually you need four or five years or more um, to really see differences in the organic carbon. It's much more determined by um, soil, um, soil type, really. So we tested a microbial biomass in May as well. Um, we also did not see any treatment differences that were due to the cover crop, and we actually did not see any site differences. So that was kind of interesting. So the two bars again refer to the two sites. So we have our Arlington and our Shelby sites. And um, I just broke it down to give you kind of an overview. Um, so the blue uh, refers to bacteria. So they are, out of all the groups, the most numerous one in the soil. Then we have a um, very uh, narrow 
bar there of red, which are the AM fungi, so they are a lot less. And the gray is the saprophytic fungi, so as you can tell, fungi only make up about 10% or even less of the total microbial biomass. Um, and then we have a large amount of yellow, which is others, which uh, are a lot of other soil microbes, such as actinomycetes, um, protozoa, and some other nematodes and things like that are all looped in here. I did not actually um, separate them out because they're usually, their, their numbers are very, very small. So, but there's a lot of them, a lot of different groups. Um, so no treatment differences, at least not in May. We have not gotten our results back from the summer. Um, what we found last year, last year we did the same experiment. We, we actually did see some um, increases in microbial communities following cereal rye. So I wanted to kind of figure out why did the rye not have an impact this year. Um, I looked at my test results again and actually realized that the microbial biomass at our sites, um, even in the controls, was already pretty high, or at least it was average. Um, so it's probably more difficult to increase it from, from, a, from populations that are already relatively high. Um, another thing that I looked at is the fungi to bacteria biomass. Remember, in agricultural fields, we are really looking to increase the amount of fungi because they're so important for our soil aggregation, our soil um, structure, and things like that. And here we actually saw a site difference. The Arlington site had a higher fungi to bacteria ratio. But again, it was not influenced by the rye treatment. Um, so another thing, I think if we wanted to really um, influence our microbial biomass a little bit more, um, some of the things that we may want to look at, um, oh, I forgot to talk about the organic carbon. Organic carbon in these sites was also relatively high already. So again, these sites were, um, had relatively good soil health. So probably a reason why we didn't see more treatment differences. How can we increase the benefits for soil microbes? How can we use a cover crop um, to really improve microbial abundance and diversity? Um, we have only focused on cereal rye. There are plenty of other cover crop species out there. Um, mixing cover crops together um, probably could increase um, soil microbial diversity. Um, it could also increase cover crop biomass, at least during certain times of the year. Um, and generally, I think it, trying to increase cover crop biomass, for example, by allow, allowing to grow the cover crops for a longer period of time, would be beneficial for soil microbial communities as well. So for my take-home points, um, we do think we could use the right cover crop to really reduce uh, soil nitrate levels, which could help reduce soil nitrate contamination um, and may reduce leaching. Um, we did not see, at least this year, we did not see any improvements in soil microbial abundance. Um, we have seen it in the past, but this year we did not have very high cover crop biomass. Um, Increasing cover crop biomass and probably increasing the plant species, the amount of plant species that we're growing may lead to greater benefits for soil microbes. And this is really the end of my presentation. I want to thank the participating farmers. Um, 
Keith and Justin and their team, George Belyarski, who took all of the samples for this project. Um, I also want to thank our sponsors, the Nebraska Soybean Board, who partially funded this project, um, along with the Nebraska Corn Board. And with that, I take questions. So the, the question was if there is a greater amount of organic matter in the soil or with increasing organic matter in the soil, are there greater amounts or greater diversity of um, bacteria and fungi? Um, there's, there definitely are greater amounts of them, um, probably also greater, um, greater diversity. With my tests, I have not seen that because I generally do not look at different bacteria level. I look at just the total uh, bacterial biomass. Um, and as far as this test goes, I look at just two groups of fungi, um, AMF and saprophytic fungi. Um, but I do, I do think that from other papers that I read, you can increase the diversity, especially and the amount for surely, especially that of fungi with increasing soil organic matter. So if they are uh, interested in learning about um, specific functional groups of microbes, okay, so the PLFA test is uh, a good test for that. Um, it's, it's a pretty expensive test and it's also a quite complex test. So it's something they would have to, but they would basically just take the soil sample and then send it to the lab. It takes several weeks to return it. Um, they, there are some established parameters for, you know, because the thing is, this test gives you all these functional groups, but what, what do the numbers really mean? So the nice thing about it is there are some parameters, you know, some numbers that say, okay, this is a good or desirable level, and this not so much. So. From, from that point of view, you get some information back from the laboratory that you can actually use to interpret what your soils look like. So the question was, how important is manure uh, as a jumpstart to soil health? Um, thanks for bringing that question up because livestock is really, livestock, or if you can't graze, then manure applications are really a very good way to increase uh, microbial uh, populations. Um, first of all, there are microbes in the manure themselves, and then just the amount of organic matter um, and other nutrients that are relatively easy to uh, access for the microbes. That's really, really important. So that's a very good thing to do for soil health. So the question was, um, is the optimum soil health the same for a cornfield as for a rangeland or another, uh, or another type of cropping system? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think, you know, like uh, Keith said earlier, you know, maybe the standard really was what was the soil like before it got turned into something else. Um, so that's probably a good benchmark to try to maintain, you know, for a cropping system. Can you maintain that at a similar level? That may be very hard, but, you know, maybe the native prairie that it replaced, that was the benchmark. I do think there are exceptions though to that um, because some managed soils have really increased their fertility over what was before and that's due to probably irrigation, probably manuring. Um, you know, we all can think of some very sandy lands that probably have been improved by people over time. So um, 
So I think some things can be improved on, whereas others, maybe not. 